And welcome back to another episode of Leading Matters. I uh, really love uh, doing these. Uh, you know, I know I want to say that, but I record them, I let them breathe for a little bit, and then I'll kind of pick them up. I usually have about three or four in the can, so to speak, at a time. Uh, I did ran. This is actually, let me introduce my guest. My guest is Rand Fishkin. He is the founder of Moz. Um, formerly SEO Moz, they um, they they create a, they have a software tool that helps you better manage your search engine optimization efforts. But you know what's really cool about Moz? What I've always loved about reading their stuff and and listening to what uh, Rand has to say is that they developed and and really Rand developed the company from a position of generosity, like genuinely trying to build and edify community. And it really helped uh, grow. Matter of fact, the company kind of almost developed as a as a um, an offshoot of the community that Rand helped to build. And he's been doing it for quite a while. You know, I, I actually I, I'll, I'll claim ignorance. I, I didn't realize that he was at it as early as uh, 2004. And he gets into that. He gets into the reason how and why he built the company. Uh, talks quite a bit about culture and values, and you know, you know, if you're a listener to Leading Matters, you know that that is an area that, you know, we focus on quite quite a bit. One of the things I think you're really going to enjoy is listen keenly to when Rand talks about what the mission is of their employees, and that it's not to just acquire and gather customers, but rather it's to help marketers succeed. So that's the mission that they're in. That's their purpose. Is they want to help their clients uh, and customers, marketers, uh, in, in their case, succeed. And they do that by helping them learn their jobs better, helping them do their jobs better. And, um, you know, you're also going to find his take on content marketing, which I think is really fresh and, and, and accurate. They, they, he believes that content marketing isn't necessarily for everyone, especially if you're not passionate about what you're doing for your marketplace. And, and what I mean by that is if you're not passionate about educating and creating and selflessly giving to that marketplace, it might not be for you. And, and I love that. I, I told him I was going to steal that idea, and and yeah, he, he allowed me to go ahead and do that. So listen, I, it runs a little long. I was a little self-indulgent with this one because I was enjoying myself uh, with Rand so much that I wanted to get just as much information out of him as possible, and I think it was a, a really great talk. So listen in. I think at the Take Action Now plan that uh, you should employ after you listen to Rand Fishkin is to take a good look at that mission statement. You know, I talk about it a lot. We all have them. It could be a tedious arduous task developing it. Sometimes people don't want to bother putting the words down on paper or digital ink, uh, but every company has a mission, and even if it's, hey, just go get a lot of customers. So take a good hard look at what your purpose and mission is, and then how well you're communicating that to customers and the marketplace, but also to your employees. And again, be tangible about it. Uh, you know, Left and right column, pro and con type of thing, where you're listing out, hey, what and where do we communicate well? And what and where could we improve our communications? And do it with some specificity. And I guarantee you, if you do that, you're going to um, really be better off for positioning yourself and most importantly, kind of engaging your workforce and, and, and getting some steam behind that mission and helping them embrace and be as passionate about what you're doing in the marketplace as you are. So with no further ado, let's uh, take a listen to my conversation with Rand Fishkin. 
Okay, today I am excited to be joined by Rand Fishkin. Rand is one of the founders, the founder of uh, Moz, uh, formerly SEO Moz, I think, a, a couple years back. And if you're not familiar with Moz, they do a, a fantastic job of helping marketers really understand exactly what they ought to care about where SEO is concerned because it's such a changing uh, science portion of, of what we do for a living and what business leaders need to care about, and they do an incredible job about that. Uh, I've seen Rand speak. He's a phenomenal speaker. If you haven't seen him speak, you should uh, definitely try to hit one of the conferences he's going to be at. And I blindly reached out to him about a month ago, and he was uh, more than agreeable to take uh, about 20 minutes or so to join me on Leading Matters. So first things first, Rand, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you have a lot of competing demands in your time, so I'm happy that you're sharing some of yours with me. Oh, my pleasure, Joel. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Great. So listen, Rand, you know, um, I, as I mentioned in a, you know, some of the prep before we got on today, I, we talk a lot about uh, leadership, culture, uh, you know, how we acquire and, and, and nurture the talent in our organizations, our focus, things like that. And, and that's why I'm excited to have you on today because I've, I've always been a fan of Moz since I've been a marketing professional most of my life, I, and I learned a lot from what you do. And, and I want to start right there, right, because it seemed to me that since your early days, you know, Moz made a really big commitment in educating. So can you kind of discuss what originally motivated your, uh, your, your intent to educate the marketplace, not necessarily sell them real hard, but just kind of educate what they needed to do? So go ahead and just explain to us why and how that became a priority. Yeah, um, it's mostly because I got pissed off at Google. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, that, that sounds overly simplistic, but I, I was pretty young. Uh, I was in my early 20s when I first started the uh, SEO Moz blog, right? This is back in 2004, uh, 2003, 2004. And my frustration was with Google, you know, claiming to be this very different kind of company, um, you know, to have transparency as a core value, uh, to care about serving the users. But to my mind, Google really was serving two users or should have been serving, should still be serving two kinds of users. The people who create content for the web, which provides them with the, you know, potential for the business model they have that lets them make these billions of dollars, and then the people who are searching for that content uh, through which their engine provides, you know, a, a pathway of navigation. And I think Google always has done a really good job of serving that second user, right, the searcher. They've focused on the searcher, but they have not always done a great job of serving the content creators, the publishers of the web, the marketers of the web. Um, and as a result, early in their early days, a lot of spammers had a lot of traction with Google. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to spam and manipulate their engine, pretty easy to uh, manipulate rankings by buying links, by stuffing keywords, by doing all sorts of sketchy things. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, this gave SEO a really bad name. Um, a lot of people got frustrated with uh, the practice of SEO, saw it as only being an evil manipulative thing, didn't see it as the, you know, potentially amazing web marketing channel that it is. Um, and that, uh, you know, that really checked my hide. So I, I started the SEO Moz blog with the goal of making Google's operations transparent. Um, SEO Moz, if you remember, was actually on a .org because when I started it, I hadn't really intended for it to be a business. It was just kind of like a, here's what I'm learning about how Google works and, you know, how search engines work. 
uh, and here's what you can do, and here's what's worked for me, here's what hasn't, here's what other people are talking about in the space. Um, and I wrote about that for, for many years. Um, it eventually, you know, achieved some popularity, and we started getting SEO consulting clients as opposed to web design and development clients, which had been our previous business. Um, and then we changed the company name to SEO Moz. I think that was in maybe 2005 or six. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then in 2007, switched to software, and the rest is kind of history. Well, you know what I what I like about that story is that it's kind of an organic development in from so from through educating and improving the way folks in the marketplace were doing their jobs, the business was born. You know, I think a lot of businesses kind of kind of go the other direction, right? They they get their business model going, and they're like, oh, well, maybe we should educate. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, what was there? You said you started to gain some consulting clients. What what was there? And maybe there wasn't, and that's fine if there was not. But was there a seminal moment? where the education of this marketplace kind of made it clear that, hey, there's there's bits and bytes here and product that would serve this community very well. Yep. Um, there was, actually, conveniently. Uh, in 2000, I think that was either the end of 2004 or the end of 2005. I think it was the end of 2005, um, right around the holidays, a reporter from Newsweek magazine, when Newsweek was still a magazine that you could print, you know, buy printed on the shelf, uh, wrote about Moz, and he he found us actually through a uh, a black hat uh, spammer guy in the UK who I had become friendly with online, and you know I'd chat with him about why I thought people should pursue white hat and how Google was eventually going to catch up, and he'd chat with me about how much money he was making. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot from him. And, uh, he pointed this reporter in my direction. Uh, we ended up actually having the reporter out. I think, I think that reporter was, uh, Brad Stone, who's now with, uh, he was with Wired for a while and then I think the New York Times now. Um, and, you know, Brad came out to our tiny office. We were above this crappy, dingy movie theater in the University District of Seattle. Um, spent the whole day with us kind of learning about SEO and stuff that we did. And then he wrote this big piece. Um, they actually had photographers come out, take pictures of me and my mom, who, you know, my mom was my co-founder with this business. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fascinating, weird experience. But what's w- really interesting is when that piece uh, was published, my big concern was that tons of people who'd never been exposed to SEO before were about to hear about it. And so I wrote uh, something called The Beginner's Guide to SEO. Um, mm-hmm. And I spent a tremendous amount of time and energy writing this document, uh, published it on our site uh, when the magazine hit the newsstands. And actually, the magazine did not drive very much traffic. Like, no one really – it was kind of a dud. I thought, oh, you know, big magazine publication. This is Newsweek, right? It's nationally distributed. Tons of people are going to read it. No, not really. We maybe got a couple phone calls from that, but the uh, the real thing that that uh, was kind of a catalyst for our business taking off was that beginner's guide to SEO that went to the top of Slashdot. It was very popular um, all over the web. It was covered by a bunch of tech industry publications um, and search specific and marketing specific organizations. People emailed it all over, and that document became. Um, 
sort of a starting point for tons of people who were training SEOs in their organizations or their agencies um, and, and kind of has been ever since. We've, we've kept it updated and put a lot of effort and investment into it. Uh, but that was a, yeah, a, a remarkable moment in, you know, almost a light switch moment in my head, like, wow, wait, helping people means we get customers too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. You know, it's funny because I I had Ali uh, uh, Gardner from Unbounce uh, as a guest the other day, and one of the things he frequently speaks about is for him when on your platform he published um, uh, a very large infographic about I guess it was about um, shoot I forget escapes me now was it social media I think it was um, I that think was it was kinda... the it was like this online marketing guide and it had this this color wheel of all these different uh, channels and how they fit together. Um, yeah, it, it was a remarkable piece that he he did. Yes, yes, and it, it's very similar, right? Because he talks about uh, that being a, a pretty big moment because it was so broadly distributed, and, and they've kind of consistently now they've developed their their personality and voice, and they they test a lot of things out, and I like that, and I see you know again, I really I, I've learned so much from what you you've done, and it kind of makes me believe that you know that culture matters to Moz, right? Because that's that the volume of content that you produce, the level of education that you're delivering to the marketplace doesn't get done unless it's a priority, a cultural priority, right? Right. So I guess the question is, is that, you know, is that true? Am I reading that right? Does culture... Yeah, it, we've uh, actually, it, yeah, we've kind of formalized that um, inside Moz. So we have uh, our, our marketing team, specifically our audience development team, which basically does all of our content production and um, content strategy, and then our community team who manages a lot of social promotion and engagement um, and community building efforts, th their mission is not acquire customers. And their directive is not, you know, get us more paid customers, get more people into the free trial. That's not their job. Their job is help marketers succeed. And we believe that if they help marketers succeed, we'll, a, a wonderful byproduct of that will be Lots of people taking our free trial and checking out our software and seeing what we do. But, you know, if you go through our marketing, you'll see that it it's one of the the cleanest, least intrusive, least marketing-like experiences um, in the software world. You know, there's not a uh, overlay, you know, click to, to sign up. There's not a, a push when you sign up for our email newsletter to take a free trial. Um, we really are dedicated and and those teams are dedicated to helping online marketers succeed at their job um, and that's that, that's just a cultural uh, thing that I think actually makes us uh, ironically more successful at getting customers because we don't intentionally do it Sure. So let's let's stick with that for a second, right? Because that, like, what you define and and how you describe it, that's you know, a lot of companies give that sort of stuff lip service, right? You guys are clearly doing it, right? And it sounds like you even have it documented. So, and, and I know how many employees do you have now? We're a little over 160. Okay, so 160 plus employees, you know, and I'm sure you're growing, right? When you manage, when you get past 10, 20 of employees, and there's different departments all of a sudden, you know, managing that that cultural impact of, of who you want to be as a company gets even more challenging. You know, that's what a lot of our listeners gain from this. So can you kind of share with us the growing pains there and, and how you actually operationalize this very important thing to you about, hey, let's, let's really sincerely make it your job to make marketers more successful? 
Yeah, I think this is something where um, founders and leadership have to set the example. Um, and so it's it's very easy to pay this lip service, and I see lots of organizations do it. They say, hey, yeah, let's, you know, create some great content and help our community out. And, uh, and then marketing, you're responsible for delivering 200 new leads to the sales team this quarter. <laughs> and you go, wait, wait, that's not – those things don't work. Yeah. If the measure, if the thing that you measure and the thing that you judge us on is a metric of customer acquisitions, then you're not really saying we believe in, uh, you know, marketing through helping people. You're just saying we believe in doing whatever it takes to get to these numbers. Sure. And this is one particular strategy that we want you to try, but if it doesn't work out and you still hit your numbers, we management won't really care. Um, and so I think the the way that it's worked at Moz is for us not to give the marketing team those numbers, right? We look at the numbers, we all we all do, but we we're just sort of content with what they do, right? And um when we've been I think I think there have been a couple times when we've thought, hey, you know, this is um, we do need to bring up our free trials. We do need to get these numbers a little higher. Um, instead of saying to the marketing team, specifically the, the content and community teams, like, hey, we need you guys to get more commercial, we've said, hey, let's work on our conversion rate optimization from our landing pages about our tools into uh, the funnel and into the free trial. And that's always worked much better for us than trying to force people to convert uh, especially force people to convert too early. Another thing that was wonderful is the business model actually makes this strategically uh, a more intelligent decision. So this is uh, an interesting stat for us um, and one one that really helps us pursue this strategy, which is if someone comes to Moz for the first time, right, they read the Beginner's Guide to SEO maybe, if they sign up for a free trial on that first visit, chances are good that they will uh, churn out in their first month. If, however, they come to us seven times or more before they sign up for a free trial, uh, they're going to stay with us much longer, right? They'll pay us, you know, nine months, ten months worth of service. If they visit, uh, if they don't sign up until their 25th or 30th visit, that that uh, lifetime value is extended even further. Wow. And so for a SaaS business, right, for software as a service, churn is the metric you care about. Retention is the metric you care about. not raw acquisitions. And so our business model actually says, hey, you know what? Don't push anyone, right? Wait for them to become ready before they sign up. If you push them, you're going to get, you know, low-quality free trialers. If you wait, you're going to have high-quality, high-retention customers who really believe in wow. what they're doing. You know that, that I. It's funny because again, I talked a lot about churn as well, and I, I I actually spent some time in the software industry, so I'm quite familiar with the concept, right? So I, I really find it encouraging. Well, two things, right? That you're looking at that metric, and that hey, a longer lead cycle, right, actually produces a healthier uh, customer, healthier client, right? Um, you know, but the the question I, w- I would have in there is, 
this seems to be the, the hidden secret sometimes about these types of marketing uh, strategies and tactics, uh, content marketing or, or uh, you know, helpful sort of approach that you guys take, is that it takes, you know, it takes a tough stomach, right? Because usually it takes time for this content to take root. And then, oh, oh by the way, the effort is pretty high. I mean, the, it's not like, you know, pushing out brochures like we did 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's, it's hey, it's got to be very high quality. It's got to be helpful. You have to continuously try new things. And then that is always, that always drives us into the temptation to jettison that, to do the quick hit. So you know, talk, can you talk about that? Because I see that as a problem again and again for business leaders that want to attach themselves to these types of strategies, but are fearful of doing so because they don't have the patience nor the, the stomach to, to wait around until it, it sees return. I think there's another thing missing there, which is oftentimes the passion for it. Um, and I actually, I would not say, you know, oh, everyone should do content marketing and everyone should invest in SEO and everyone should, you know, build a community and, and try and be helpful and do social media marketing. No, I, I don't believe that. I think some people should build their product, work on making that great, and then acquire their customers through advertising and, you know, a good sales team and uh, uh, paid acquisition. That That is just fine for a lot of companies. If you don't have uh, true passion around creating content and and serving people, being helpful, building a community beyond just the business value that it provides, right? For me, the you know, it's wonderful that Moz has become a, you know, um, moderately successful software startup and, uh, you, you know, makes money now and can employ lots of people and grow and all those kinds of things. That's great. But I'm what I'm really proud of is the community that we've built and the hundreds of thousands, millions of marketers that we've helped and the, the people that we help every month, um, that that gets me out of bed in the morning, right? Like, the, I'm serious when I say this. When I wake up in the morning, if I know that I personally published a blog post the night before, and that's usually when I publish, I publish late at night, and then I do some social sharing, and I wake up in the morning, I am so excited to see how it's done, who's commented on it, who it's helped, whether I got any emails about it, like, I, I kind of jump out of bed in the morning with a spring in my step. That is literally what gets me excited, what gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, 100 people signed up for free trial yesterday versus 150. Eh, I, I mean, great. Like, I love if the tools help them, you know, but that's kind of a longer-term process. Um, so I think you need to have that. You need to have that passion ingrained if you want to be good at this stuff uh, long-term. You know what? That's... Um... That, I like that, right? Because I, like I said, I, I talk a lot about, uh, hey, if you're going to take these strategies, you have to take them seriously. You have to invest them. You have to be willing to to wait them out, right? But I miss that. I think it, I kind of inherently understand that, but I miss the fact that, hey, you have to you have to be passionate about what you're doing and educating, or else it might not work, right? Because you can't do it. It it doesn't seem sincere from just doing it for whatever the keyword might be or whatever the the offer might be. So that's um, that's a good one. I, I really like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that if you don't mind. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, please please steal it, please spread it because I think so many people are told content marketing, that's this great strategy, you should really pursue it. And it is a great strategy, but you should only pursue it if if it speaks to you. Um I, I don't think I don't think it's for everyone. Yeah, you know, I, I, I seriously, it's like a light bulb moment for me. It's like it's because I've, I've tried to help folks that just don't get it, and and so it's always been like, what is the it that they don't get? And I think I think you've nailed it with that. So I, I'm encouraged to hear that. But let me let me use that as a catalyst to talk about talent, right? Because all of the things you discuss, right? And and look, 
from what I know about Moz and, and about you, because you've been very transparent with uh, how you've led the company even when you transitioned into a new role and things like that, uh, that you've you've really lived your values and what's important to you. So this company that you built, right? Um, you know, you're going to bring people into the organization that align to that culture and those values. So can you talk to me a little bit about about the idea of talent acquisition and how this approach is kind of bled into how you you identify and bring people into the organization they're going to help propagate this vision yeah um so we do we do something relatively unique at moz you know we have a pretty um classic uh funnel for recruiting and um you know trying to get new people onto the team uh but we do something unique called so we have uh our six core values called tag fee uh the acronym it's, it's tag fee, and of course, the first one is transparency, uh, authenticity, generosity, fun, empathy, and the exception, as in the exception to the rule. Um, we don't like doing things like other people. So uh, those those six values are things that we look for in our candidates, uh, but we do something unique called a tag fee screen, um, and that's in the uh, in the process of applying. Let's say you apply for an engineering role on the big data team. And uh, you talk to a few of the big data engineers. They think you're very talented and skilled and that you can help them. Uh, the tag fee screen might consist of you going out to lunch with two people from our customer service team. Um, and we found that this, this is actually a, a great model because a lot of times um, very highly paid, skilled, advanced software engineers will have a low opinion of people who do customer service. Um, and we want to we want to explore that, right? We want to see if that's the case here. And so these two, you know, two or three folks from customer success uh, or, or the help team will take you out for lunch, and uh, they'll come back and they'll they'll actually write up a um, uh, you know a review of that person as well. And that tag fee screen is used in considering whether to offer whether to make an employment offer. So we've actually had I much to my frustration because we've been having a hell of a time trying to hire for the big data team, but we've had two people who, you know, the, the team thought, yeah, that, that person's talented. They could really help us. Uh, and in the tag fee screen, they were ruled out because they were just, um, did not match our core values. I didn't believe the same things we believed, didn't treat people the way we think people should be treated. Um, and, and that, that rules them out for us. So I, I think that's one one way of getting making sure that your core values are represented in the hiring pipeline. Wow, that's it's funny because again, I always talk to business leaders, usually of small companies, sometimes big department leaders, and I can't tell you how frequently I've heard a similar story. Right when the companies that that find themselves with growth and success, typically whether they're doing it very specifically or just kind of organically identify what their culture is and then adjust their talent acquisition process so that it drives that first step in the in – because the, it's like a marriage, right? You bring somebody in. It's a lot harder to get them out than bringing them in, you know, and they have an impact on the organization. So, it's wow, that's that's a unique one. I, I've heard so many others. It's, it's just uh, – it seems to me like a consistent recipe for success is to, hey, if, first of all, know your mission and culture. If you don't know it, it seems like to me the, the good first place to start. But secondly – you know, make it a part of your acquisition process to ensure that your 
you're nurturing that culture. I mean, do you look? I know you talk to a lot of businesses. I know you do a lot of speaking. I mean, would you kind of echo that? Do you think that 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 is a, a good predicator for whether I'm going to have a shot at success? Is it here? You know, I first of all identifying my culture, and then adhering to it through some kind of operational process in our talent acquisition. Um, I think. I think you might need to ask me that in, in another way. Can you um, rephrase or clarify for me? Sorry. Sure. I kind of. I'm sorry. I kind of. Kind of indulged myself a little bit there. No, no, that's, what, that's totally fine. <laughs> now, what what I'm asking is, do you think that look, workforce engagement is something that's been written about so much lately, right? Um, and there's always oh these are the five steps or six steps but i've not read what you just went through in other words we know what our culture is we've identified it we've got it defined and it's real it's not just a placard on the wall right and then we have operationalized the within the town acquisition process matching up not just the skills but the actual personality and and individualism of the people coming into the organization so it's worked for moz my question is do you think that is a repeatable process that other companies can use to reinforce their values and their culture? Yes, I do. In fact, uh, Moz stole it from another company. I can't remember exactly who. It may have been, um, shoot, I'm sorry, I can't remember who, but we we were not the originators of the idea to have a um, core values, culture-based screen performed by the people performed by people who are not in your department, um, or you know who won't be directly working with you. So that was an idea that we took from someone else. It worked for us. I suspect it can be scaled to other businesses. Good. So um, listen, I want to be mindful of your your time, Rand. So just one uh, one more question. Then I have uh, actually. Before I, I wrap it up, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I know you're on the speaking circuit with a fair amount of frequency. Is there any one uh, keynote speaker that, that you really are always happy to see when you get an opportunity to maybe speak alongside them? I'm just curious. Is like who, who's one of the folks on the speaking circuit that you think is uh, worth listening to? Gosh, um, there's so many. I, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a few of my recent favorites. Um, so I've, I've been very impressed by... Um, a woman named Lexi Mills, who's um, uh, in based in the UK. She does a lot of public relations, but she has an SEO background, and shows that, so she combines these sort of technical and creative and understanding of the press. Um, and her presentations are just so incredibly useful. Um, you know, she she shows me like how to how to operate in a world I don't really understand and have incredible success. I think, you know, press and PR is a lot like content marketing and content strategy. Once you, once you dive in, there's so many deep rabbit holes you can go down and, um, you know, things to understand, uh, technical parts of the process, sort of art and science. And she's a, a terrific speaker as well. Um, another one that's really impressed me, actually also in the UK, uh, Natalie Nahai. Um, her website is the Web Psychologist, and she sort of uh, talks about the, the, you know, she has this deep understanding of users and user behavior, why people do what they do on the web, uh, not just in interacting with um, sort of specific design and UX elements, but also with uh, broader behavior, right? Why do they perform searches? Why do they go to their friends for advice? Um, when do they do those things? Um, 
for what types of, uh, you know, purchases or engagements should you look at different channels and why and how. Um, she's, yeah, very, very impressive. Um, and then there's a woman who gave a keynote talk at uh, MozCon this year who uh, uh, kind of blew me away. She talked about um, brand and the importance of, of brand marketing uh, in a world where, you know, I'm so, I'm so sort of obsessed with, with direct marketing, right? With content, with social, with SEO, which are, you know, very direct marketing types of channels. Uh, but brand plays this huge role in all of those, right? Brand is what makes people decide to, you know, follow your Twitter account or, or, or become a fan of your Facebook page or, um, you know, uh, subscribe to your email newsletter or prefer to click on you in search results. Uh, all these, all these impacts that, that, uh, brand has. Uh, her name's Dana DiTomaso. She, um, runs an agency in, uh, uh, Edmonton in Canada, um, called Kickpoint. So another super impressive. No, that's good. I know I kind of put you, I'm sorry, I put you on the spot there, but I appreciate those three, uh, those three leads. That's a good one. I'll definitely check them out and encourage my audience to check them out as well. So listen, I'm actually going to uh, probably wrap it up right here. We, we've been talking with Rand Fishkin. Rand is the founder of Moz, formerly SEO Moz. Uh, and if you, seriously, I can't, as a matter of fact, I just saw a piece that you released uh, not too long ago uh, called SEO Tactics to Love versus Leave. I think that's the place to start. In other words, if, if people kind of, you know, know a little bit about SEO, but are confused about the way the algorithms have changed in the last two, three years. I think that's a great resource, so I would thank you for that one as two, Rand. So go ahead and check that one out. You can look on it on uh, Rand's slide share. And look, we've been talking about things like generosity, education, collaboration, uh, culture, talent acquisition. And, and again, Rand, I can't thank you enough for your time. I love your work. I love watching you speak, and I, I feel very fortunate to have you on. So thanks so much for your time today. It's my pleasure, Joel. Thanks, Rand. Thank you.